Hello, guys. Welcome to the Cerebral Flex podcast. This is episode 15. We're going to talk about the exploitation of U.S. workers throughout time, um, starting in 1917 to today. We're your hosts, Namwon Sakati and Jareth Blackstar. Um, hit the like button, subscribe, all that rot. All that rot. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to kick it off with a quote. Um, weird. It's saying that we just went live for seven seconds now, but I've been talking for a while. Um, so if you didn't catch the beginning, it's Cerebral Flex and uh, all that. So the rich people uh, not only had all the money, they had all the chance to get more. They had all the knowledge and the power. And so the poor man was down and he had to stay down. Upton Sinclair, The Jungle. Read that book. So... Um, First of all, I want to talk about the Radium Girls. Um, the Radium Girls were um, female factory workers who contracted uh, radiation poisoning from painting watch dials with self-luminous paint. Um, and it was done in three different factories. And the term applies to the factories in Orange, New Jersey. That was uh, beginning around 1917. Um, there was one in Ottawa, Illinois, uh, beginning in the early 20s, 1920s. And uh, there was a third facility in Waterbury, Connecticut. And so these poor girls were stuffed in these factories and not told that this uh, radium paint, uh, radium-based paint was, you know, radiating them. They were um, exposed to radiation because the people told them not to use rinse rags or um, other means to tip the brushes so that they could paint intricately on these watch dials for the military. So they told them to just put the the paintbrushes in their mouths, like with their lips, like, you know, tip the paintbrushes with their lips and tongues. And so these females did not uh, know the danger of what they were working with. And even in their off time, if they had a break or whatever, they would paint their nails and their face and even their teeth, just having fun because it was self-luminous. They thought it was funny. Um, so yeah, a bunch of them contracted cancer and other illnesses and... Um, Back then, they just settled things out of court. Um, you know, they just gave them a bunch of money and told them to shut up. So, yeah, that's uh, pretty disturbing that that's uh, the United States of America we're talking about. And uh, it didn't uh, change until later on, um, like way later on, like the mid-30s, uh, where workers started getting rights. But... Um, Eventually, five women in the New Jersey uh, plant challenged their employer. Um, it was in a case over the right of individual workers and uh, who contract occupational diseases. And they settled out of court in 1928 for those guys. And then uh, five women in Illinois also uh, had a case uh, against the Radium Dial Company, um, which was, of course, unaffiliated with the United States Radium Corporation because they kept everything separate. So, you know. Not everyone got dragged under the bus. Um, they sued their employer under Illinois law, and they won some damages in 1938. Um, this information can be found on Wikipedia and many other sources. Um, the Wikipedia page was last edited uh, July 13th of this year, 2021. Um, but yeah, go check that out. Jareth, what, what, what did you uh, read about that, if anything? I thought the most interesting part of that... Um... Aside from the fact that they're working with these 
materials that were giving them radiation was um, the fact that most of the damage that they got from it was due to them putting the paintbrushes like in their mouth because they just wouldn't simply, you know, give them some very easy tools to just fine tip the brushes. Just not nah, just, you know, clean it off and put it in your mouth. And if you look at the pictures, that one's definitely a trigger warning because um, it's pretty, pretty gross. Uh, the way their faces blew up, like, yeah, it was, it was definitely very, sad and we chose to start it off there because it's one of the not one of the first but one of the more modern um modern Example. examples yeah there we go words they're a thing sometimes um one of the modern examples of when workers were put in a situation that was um, obviously detrimental to their health and they actually won some concessions um, later um, and it was one of the first um, things that was used to start talking about things like workers rights and uh, the beginnings of what you would call uh, I think today we call it OSHA workplace environments and stuff so definitely interesting definitely also very sad and messed up um, and yep. it just goes to show, as always, that if uh, companies are allowed to get away with whatever they can to not provide their employees with the right tools or the right access to healthcare or um, safe workplace environments, they will definitely get away with it. Yep. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that kind of moves us along into the 1930s where... Um, Which it's also crazy that it was in 1917 and they didn't start winning any lawsuits or cases until like the 40s, pretty much. Well, yeah, I mean, 1928 was the first first uh, out-of-court settlement. So they waited quite a bit, for sure. I also love that, out-of-court settlements. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's one of those happening in New York right now with a, um, a restaurant owner. Yeah. It was groping women. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, that's that is always my my most favorite. Um, and by that, I mean my least favorite because people don't know what sarcasm is. Um, when people <laughs> are accused of sexual assault, like you see that with actors in Hollywood all the time and all that. And then it suddenly gets dropped because they settle out of court for a lump sum of cash. Yeah, like. I guess it kind of shows. <laughs> how soulless people are because I don't know if I was sexually assaulted, I would want to make sure that person saw justice for sure. I wouldn't take money out of court. Well, on I, their think, record. I think their lawyers, uh, you know, the guy's going to lose his business and he's out $600,000 now. And you know, his life is pretty much ruined. So you get some money for it. Just shut up. Yeah. I, I think it's very bizarre how our country even lets that happen. I think yeah. people should be held accountable and uh, charges should be pressed, pressed not only by individuals, but by the state that that occurred in, you right. know? Yep. But whatever, you know. <laughs> and then we should mention that that book that you um, took the quote from the jungle is about, yeah. um, do you want to go into that just a little bit? 
what it's about? Um, I was I was tasked to read that in high school. Um, it was about Polish workers in the Chicago meat factories and um, just the horrific conditions that they had to go through. Um, if I remember correctly, one guy injured his foot and um, like severed it and like was forced to work anyway and ended up getting really infected. And I can't remember if he died or not, but it was just gruesome. All the things they had to go through. Like people dying on the floor and like just everyone just normalized to it. But yeah. yeah, I mean, that makes me think of like how we use the Chinese to build our, our railway system that we don't even use. <laughs> yeah, we use the, yeah, we, we forced Native Americans out of yeah. the country. We enslaved them. We enslaved black people. Um, you had the Irish that we that were pretty much slaves as well. We, uh, forced the Chinese to build our railroads and do terrible things. Um, and then white people actually, you know, once we'd freed all the slaves and civil rights were starting to kind of become a thing, white people started to have to actually do their own work. And then uh, they found out that if you're not part of the uh, bourgeois class that uh, you're also going to get very messed with. Um, so the jungle uh, Sinclair spent seven weeks gathering the information for that book um, incognito and the meatpacking plants of the Chicago stockyards. So that was going on in 1904. So about, about 20 years before the radium girls. And uh, yeah, I, I haven't read the book, but you had mentioned it and I, I kind of looked into it and some of the conditions that they had to work under. And like you said, there was a guy who like lost his leg and like he still had to like work um and the horrific conditions they had to work under were insane and also just think about like not just the mental and the physical effect that has on people but um like you have people who are sick with diseases that are that are not good to be spread around and stuff like that and they're working with meat that you're going to you're going to pack away in a store and sell and eat. Um, and it's still, it's still a problem today. Like the meat industry today is um, it's not a good place. Not, there's not a lot of people lining up to work there. Um, there's usually low wage workers working there. Um, we saw it during COVID actually, a lot of these meat packing plants, um, they weren't enacting COVID um, gear at all. Mm -hmm. Um a lot of people got sick and died from COVID working in these meatpacking plants. They're, they're low wage jobs. Um, they're terrible because of the conditions that the animals are kept in. And these are people that are working with food. And then we wonder why we get things like E. coli and uh, salmonella and mad cow disease and all that stuff. Like because of the conditions these workers continue to work into this day are not, not great. They're better than when, the jungle was written, but they're, they're still not good. Yeah. But you know, can't go a day without my bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I cannot wait for, uh, for the production of synthesized lab meat so that the slaughterhouses are no longer a thing. Uh, yeah. The, we've yeah. talked about the investment into technology to, you know, stop awful things from happening, but we'll never do it. So uh, you want to go into the uh, 30s and when things started getting a little better? 
Oh, you mean for like when the country from like the 1930s to like maybe the like 1970s ish yeah. was was yeah. was kind of decent. Yeah. yeah. So uh in the 1930s, <laughs> uh unions started to happen. Um yeah. what you saw was essentially um this rise of workers being fed up with their conditions because you know, white people have been forced to work for a while now. We can't make the black people or Native American or the Asians do it. Now they have to go out and, and actually work. And they're realizing the conditions they're working in are horrific because capitalism um, likes to produce things as cheaply as possible. And so you have all these meatpacking plants. You have things like the Radium Girls. Um, you have, um, I think at this point, there is even still... Uh, children working in factories and stuff like that. Child labor laws weren't even a thing. Um, so not only did you have mom and dad working in these factories, um, and this is in the 1930s, right around the time of the Great Depression, right after World War One. So a lot of people came back from World War One, and they were shell-shocked beyond belief. Um, the country was starving. Capitalism had made the rich just super rich. And so a bunch of workers started to go on strike um, because if you stop the means of production, um, nobody makes any money. And so the demands were just for safer workspaces. Also around this time, you saw a lot of uh, communist uh, sympathizers working in the factories. And that's actually what led to a lot of these unions forming and these worker strikes happening is because you had these communists who had um, either heard about things in the communist party that was very prevalent in England. Um, and they had heard about, you know, the workers seizing the means of production. And so you have these communists going around these factories, you know, trying to spread um, communism everywhere. <clears throat> and it kind of got into the, I, the head of the workers, like, you know, unions wouldn't be a bad thing because then we, you know, receive better pay, better working conditions so on and so forth. And things were at a height between the wealthy and the working class that um, we've actually surpassed today. And that is when we kind of go into um, the 1933 to 1939 with FDR and the New Deal. Um, essentially what FDR, he was from the bourgeois class, um, obviously because he was a Roosevelt. And one of his, I think it was his great uncle, or maybe it was his uncle, Teddy Roosevelt, had been uh, president. And he went into office knowing that we just had the Great Depression. We're still getting over World War One. Things are ramping up, in, uh, <clears throat> or things started to ramp up towards the end of his presidency in Europe with Germany. And he saw this crisis with the workers happening, and he knew that you can't continue to keep people poor and continue to go richer and fatter um, without essentially the French Revolution happening again. So a lot of people like to talk about FDR as if he was like some great social pariah um, and that he just did it out of the kindness of his heart. He didn't do it out of the kindness of his heart because he was a very wealthy man and his wife was also a very wealthy woman and he had very wealthy friends. He just recognized the fact that you have to share some of the wealth with the poor, so they don't, you know, 
come and take everything from you. Uh, he was trying to circumvent the Red Scare with communism. Um, he didn't want the country to become extremely socialist. Um, so even though they introduced social programs like, um, I'm not sure if he started Medicare, but I know he started some form of social security at the time. Um, and he started working on allowing unions to happen um, on the Great New Deal, which there's awesome things that he did. You want to go into that? Yeah, so it was a uh, new deal. It was a time of massive organization drives, um, successful strikes, soaring social idealism and political campaigns that change labor law for future generations. Um, he did, uh, like you said, uh, work on the Social Security Administration. That's when that was founded during the New Deal. Um, a lot of public work projects, um, so mainly financial reforms, regulations, things like that. Um, he created what was called like the Civilian Cons Conservation Corps. Uh, uh, Civil Works Administration, Farm Security Administration, National, Na National Industrial Recovery Act of 1933. Um, and basically they broke it down in what they called the three R's. Um, so they had relief for the unemployed. So they would give the poorers a little bit of money. So they yep. would shut up. And then they would also recover, uh, recovery of the economic uh, system back to normal levels. So they probably were, you know, working with the Federal Reserve, like we spoke about before in one of our episodes, and um, reform. So it was relief, recovery, and reform. And reform was uh, of the financial system to prevent a repeat depression. And a lot of um, analysts and historians, you know, have some confusion between the recovery of the economic system and the reform of the financial system. It kind of is the same thing. So it was kind of two R's, really. Um the New Deal produced a political realignment, making the Democratic Party the majority party, as seen today. Um, well, yes. Also, under his predecessor, um, Herbert Hoover, who I would say is probably America's third worst president, um, he completely um, destroyed. I mean, the Great Depression happened because of him, um, but he completely destroyed the stock market. Um, Great Depression happened under him. Uh, he was very Republican. And the only reason FDR won is because his administration was so awful and had so thoroughly destroyed the country um, that FDR was pretty much a shoe-in. So FDR came in and he realized the state that the country was in and he started to form the New Deal. And um, the the thing about FDR that a lot of people don't realize, because again, he's remembered fondly as this um, social pariah who did the New Deal, he didn't do it uh, just willingly. He knew it had to happen, but he told these workers and these strikers um, and the people, he was like, I'm not just going to do it. You have to make me do it. Um, and that's why we haven't really seen anything since, because you haven't had a president who um is willing to do something but tells you to push them um we don't like to push politicians anymore um we like to to tweet about the nice things we'd like them to do uh, but as far as like organizing and getting in the street um that doesn't happen anymore well you saw what happened with the amazon workers when they tried to form a union oh yeah you know, misinformation back hard yeah, misinformation. Um, well, even if you go back maybe uh, 10 years ago to the um, 
what was that giant protest they had when Obama was president? I mean, the ones in the South where they were burning effigies of him? No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the one where um, they were all on Wall Street for a while. Oh, you mean like when he bailed out all the bankers like an asshole? Yeah, what was that uh, one um, called? Protest bailout. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, I don't remember what it was called, though. Oh, the Tea Party? Mm -mm, nope. No, it wasn't the Tea Party occupying Wall Street? Occupy Wall Street, yeah. Yeah, that was, was. that was pretty much the Tea Party. Oh, was it the Tea well, Party? I understand. And that's, yeah, the Tea Party was organized and, and founded by a guy that wanted to get rid of corruption and he didn't want the bankers to be bailed out for giving a bunch of loans to people that would default on them and ruining our economy. And he thought that the bankers should be held accountable just like they're held accountable in China. Yeah. You know, those motherfuckers um, are lined up and shot as far as I, I, I know. Yeah, there's, you know? Uh, there's been, you could go on a, uh, you can go down rabbit holes looking at Chinese billionaires that have just disappeared. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the interesting thing about during FDR and the new deal is you didn't have all these um, deep state um, security apparatuses that go into things like uh, Occupy Wall Street or Black Lives Matter protests or a lot of the more modern protests that we see today and infiltrate these protests and turn them them violent and make the voices that are trying to be heard um be seen as a bunch of mobs because they go in and they instigate and they subvert um and you didn't really have that during the 1930s with the new deal um so it's it's definitely a different era that we're living in um to think that anything like the new deal would happen today mm -hmm. um without some form of violence occurring is is pretty much inconceivable at this point. Um, right. I, I have to clear up something. What's up? The Tea Party and Occupied uh, Wall Street were two different movements. Occupied Wall Street was left and Tea Party was right. That's what uh, I thought. I just wanted to thought. clear that up, but they did have aligned thoughts when it came to Wall Street and corruption. Yeah, the thing with Occupy was they were upset that they did the bankers and um, they were upset that he bailed out all the bankers and they were like going to wall street to protest that. And they essentially were trying to bargain for a brand new deal. Um, but unfortunately that kind of got subverted by all the cops Obama sent in to uh, break up the camps and, you know, start looting and such. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting things that happened during his administration. Yes. And everyone still glorifies the guy kind of like FDR. It's interesting. Yeah. It's very well, interesting. That's, that's the thing about like, that's why I like to point out FDR, like, cause people do remember him fondly. Um, right. But he didn't do anything out of the altruistic nature of his heart. He was yeah. a rich man. He understood where the country was at. He understood what the country needed and he was forced to do a lot of things. Um, like, and good. It's good that we have social security and that we were allowed to have unions and, and weekends and overtime yeah. pay. And, and holidays and that he tried to regulate banks and stuff that that's good that he did that. Um, but he also probably was aware of the fact that it wasn't going to last because we had a really good time there after world war two, where um, the American dream was you could, you know, have a wife and kids and you only had the dad working at a high paid job. Um, and he only worked Monday through Friday, nine to five and, 
everything was all good and dandy. And then the seventies happened. And after the seventies, uh, the worst president in modern American history, uh, Ronald Reagan came and he essentially started union busting and destroying everything that the Democrats had done. Yeah. Privatization definitely, uh, became more prevalent in the seventies. So, um, getting rid of our jobs also overseas, uh, offshoring our, our workforce, um, definitely hurt us in a big way and allowed those that wanted to privatize to, uh, do it uh, more aggressively. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would say that capitalism is at its ugliest point right now, even worse than, you know, the seventies, I think after the, uh, crash of 08, um, privatization and anti-union sentiments from big business has only um, increased. I, yeah, I would agree. Um, and Democrats aren't not complicit in that either. I mean, you had Reagan who, when the workers all went on strike, he said, you have 72 hours to return to work. And if you don't return to work, then your employer is allowed to consider your job forfeit and we'll get people in there that actually want to do the work. Um, the minimum wage stagnated with him. Uh, a lot of regulations for the environment and the pollution of it were rolled back. Um, the Christianization of the conservative and of the, to a lesser extent, Democrat party happened under Reagan as well. Um, he pretty much ushered in all these evangelicals into the conservative party, which is what has made this country abhorrent when it comes to the rights of women and LGBTQ plus people and uh, even to um, civil rights activists in a way, um, whether they want to say. I never made that connection. I don't know why. What connection? <laughs> Between um, Christianity and uh, anti, um, you know, workplace rights. Well, yeah. Right. Because the entire idea of Christianity is you should bear your suffering in silence. Um, you should be like Christ and you should take up the cross and you should be whipped and mocked through the streets and you should bear it all quietly. Um, and then, you know, you have people like Joel Olstein who like to go out there and preach prosperity gospel and buy million dollar mansions while people are starving. Um, it would cost about $25 billion to end world hunger. Another, uh, 20 billion to end world uh, lack of resources for water uh, and another 20 billion for in here in America to end homelessness. Um, and the church has uh, well over like $300 billion. That's just the yeah. Catholic church. And, and keep in mind, Jeff Bezos could pay that $60 billion tab and still have $120 billion left. Um, I saw an interesting thing that said that if Gates, Musk and Bezos all put a third of their wealth, their respective wealth sins, they could solve world hunger, uh, the water, the lack of water resources and stuff like that in countries that don't have like aqueducts and, you know, plumbing like we do, um, and help advance green energy 30 years into the future and pretty much end world homelessness if they wanted to, but they'd rather build dick rockets and go to space. Yeah. Yeah. That's Cap on the cock rocket. I'm, yeah. I'm much happier with that. So, yeah. You know, I'd rather they do that than help anyone, of course. Yes. 
So <clears throat> so we had this nice period after FDR. Things were good. Um, and then you started to see <clears throat> two things kind of happen. Um, you obviously had the rich people starting to take back more of the wealth and try to exploit the workers in whatever ways that they could. Um, we also had so much wealth because we became once Germany fell, we became the premier like factory nation. Um, but you also saw the insidiousness of the military industrial complex start as well. Um, because we had been building Ford Jeeps and tanks and bullets and planes and all these things to go fight in world war two. And now all these manufacturers needed another war to go fight in. Um, because they need to continue to create their bottom line. And even one of the more conservative presidents, uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower, even he said in his uh, farewell speech from the presidency to beware the industrial, the military industrial complex, to not let them have control over um, the country because he saw in the future things like the Vietnam War, the first Gulf War, the second Gulf War. And now what do we have today? Um, we've spent 20 years in Afghanistan. Um, we spend over $700 billion a year on the military. And you'll have people who disingenuously say, well, some of that money is going to um, the military personnel who are underpaid, which, yes, if you go into the military, you should be paid a living wage, just like any other job you take. But the vast majority of that goes to the building of Boeing airplanes that we then sell to Saudi Arabia or that can't even get off the ground. Um, and that's why we are so in debt. It's not because of social welfare programs like social security. It's because of the bailing out of banks and corporations, um, the bailing out of wall street and our bloated military budget. If we cut our military budget in half, um, we would spend still more than the next three largest upcoming superpowers, which are China, um, I want to say it's China, Saudi Arabia, and England are the three below us. Russia's, Russia's like dumb, Russia's like like tips between like over and under England. Um, Interesting. England spends so much on not necessarily its military, but on its um, security um, complexes. Uh, they have really good AI and security and such like that. <clears throat> But even if we just cut it in half, we'd spend more than our our biggest competitors in the world marketplace when it comes to the military. Um, so Dwight D. Eisenhower warned us about that. And of course, nobody paid attention. Um, we had Kennedy, who was trying to dismantle the, uh, the Federal Reserve, which we've talked about, um, which has also led to the mass growth and inflation of capitalism. He was trying to do things with the military industrial complex. And he was also trying to give the security state much less power. And then uh, he went bye-bye. And then we got Nixon and the Vietnam war. Um, and that's when we started to see the deterioration of the country because you had mass protests, you had workers starting to be exploited, not in like the worst working conditions again, but their labor was being exploited. Because I think when we think about worker exploitation, we think about, you know, people like the radium girls or uh, the, the workers in the factories who don't have the right equipment, stuff like that. But exploitation is exploitation of not just uh, your, your body, but also your time. Um, if you're not being, 
paid accordingly for the work that you're doing, um, that that's called wage slavery. That is a thing that uh, happens to this day. So yeah, what you saw is us go from being an industrial nation with strong jobs to, like you said, slowly shipping the jobs away, slowly getting rid of unions, um, slowly adopting this Christian um, philosophy of work hard, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and you'll be rewarded. And that in, in everything bad that happens to you is because of your own bad choices and not because of external factors. Yes. I, I love that philosophy. I love... um. If anybody ever gets the chance, I mean, people can't stand to listen to an hour plus long podcast. So I don't know how their tiny brains would make it through a uh, two and a half hour debate. Um, but if you go on YouTube, you can look up like a 10 minute clip from this debate. Um, maybe your attention span can be held there with uh, Slavoj Zizek debating Jordan Peterson. And Jordan Peterson's thing is uh, clean up your room. Don't criticize the world before you have yourself in order. And Zizek says, yes, I, I believe that's very good. And he does his sniffly thing and he has a thick accent where you can barely understand him. And he goes, yes, I agree. You should, you should take care of yourself before you go out and criticize the world. But what if my room is messy because of the external factors of the world that have affected me? So thus putting me into this position that um, I cannot better myself unless I also go out and better the world because that's Peterson's thing. While you shouldn't go out and try and better the world because you yourself on the inside, uh, emotionally, you're not capable of understanding it. Um, to which Zizek responds, you know, if, what if the reason I'm that way is because, you know, the external factors affecting my world. Um, so that ideology was adopted around Reaganism and with the, influx of evangelicals and Christians into the, um, <coughs> excuse me, into the conservative party. Um, and that's kind of become the ideology. You hear it all the time. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Uh, if you work hard, you'll get what you deserve. Um, you just got to work four minimum wage jobs to uh, have, have a good life. Maybe you should have went to college. Oh, you went to college and you can't find a job and you're 70 grand in debt and you got to go work at a McDonald's or a Best Buy. Well, you should have gotten a degree in something that's more practical. Um, there's never any blame on the system. It's always blaming the person for their choices. Um, yeah. That that did not start until the, the evangelicals right uh, takeover of the conservative party. Um, nice. And I don't think I know I watched a lot of we've both watched a lot of conspiracy theories, too, but I don't believe that. Um, it's either in God we trust or God bless America, or whatever. That was never on the dollar barrel or the currency until George H.W. Bush came into office, um, yeah. which was right after Reagan. And then we talked about the selling of the American workers' jobs away to other countries. Um, that is something that Reagan and Bush both tried to do but could not. Um, and then you got Bill Clinton into the White House, and this is where Democrats also become complicit in it. Um, he did NAFTA, which essentially got rid of all of our jobs. Um, and now we find ourselves in this weird space of uh, we don't have factory jobs. We don't really produce a whole lot. And we're a consumerist nation. Um, yeah. And that's why the main jobs in this country are working at places like Walmart and 
Amazon and FedExes and stuff like that. And that brings me into what I wanted to talk about next. Um, this article um, by the Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg.com, you know, June 28th of this year. This guy, Stephen Normandon, uh, he spent four years. He was a contract driver for Amazon. Um, and he got fired, um, but not by a person. Apparently, uh, Amazon is now firing people by algorithms. And, uh, you know, you get an email that just says, you know, you're terminated. And there's no human contact. And this guy, Normandon, he's a, a 63-year-old Army veteran. And he did nothing wrong. He tried his best to work the route. And uh, he's come across apartment complexes where the doors are locked and he can't get in. And that set him back in time. Um, if you take a bathroom break, you're set back in time. Uh, a lot of workers are now peeing in, in vessels like, you know, containers, two liter bottles, like whatever they can find. So they don't have to get out of the truck and go pee in a gas station or something. It's insane. And I even heard like a lot of people are not drinking water or anything the night before their their shift and the morning of so they can purposely stay dehydrated so they don't have to take a bathroom break. And people are getting sick. And these machines, these algorithms are tracking them. And you get like four ratings, apparently, and like, you know, everywhere from spectacular to poor. And then after you cross the line of too poor, you just like get fired by a robot. And uh, according to people familiar with uh, the strategy they're using, um, Jeff Bezos believes machines make decisions more quickly and accurately than people do. Uh, and it reduces costs and gives Amazon a competitive advantage. And yes, I mean, that is true scientifically, right? I mean, but at the same time, I was talking to my boss about this and I was saying, once there's no heart in any of what we do, what's the point? If there's no actual like community or, you know, humanity, then what is the point? And it's, it's crazy that we're treating, you know, 60 plus year old people like this that fought for our country. And it's like a slap in the face. You know, this is this is supposed to be a country that protects its veterans and we just treat them like shit. And I don't know. I, just, I was deeply hurt by reading that article and what that guy went through. And there's plenty of uh, people that have worked at Amazon fulfillment centers, um, whether they're drivers or just, just the workers that are uh, packaging things. Um, yeah that there have been people who have like literally gone to the bathroom on the clock. And as they're going to the bathroom, um, they get a text message on their phone saying, yeah, you no longer work here while they're on the clock. Like, just like, no, you're, you're done. Um, I hear it's very, very demeaning to work in Amazon fulfillment centers. Um, but you know, it's, I, I work for, uh, another corporation it's it's one of the big main shipping corporations i won't say its name because i don't want to get sued. I, I worked i worked there as well it was shitty dude i was an unpacker there at the job at the corporation you're talking about yeah and but... i had to keep like 1400 packages on uploaded uh, on a, a trailer mm -hmm. um every hour or something like that because that was my best time so they keep you to your best time, even if you don't feel good, mm -hmm. or even if you're having a bad day and you, you come at like 1385 packages per hour, they're like <laughs> yelling at you. Yep. And I remember I was so hungry at one point and sweating and I just wanted a, I just wanted some type of nutrition. And all I could do is go to the vending machine real fast and get a Snickers. And I still got yelled at for that. But yep. yeah, you know more about it because you work there now, but talk on that. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm not going to mention their name because you know, you know, we're a country that likes to sue people. Um, but I 
worked there as uh, what you would call a package handler, moved up to be a trainer who trains package handlers, and now I'm part of management. Um, and it's interesting that the further up you go, the more you get exploited, <laughs> which you wouldn't think. Um, not that I'm not saying there's not horribly shitty managers at places. Um, but you guys, you guys get to sit up in those offices that have air conditioning. I remember we, being envious of we, of the people. We do, but when we're sitting up in those uh, offices, getting uh, um, in our air conditioning, um, we're usually getting yelled at by somebody who's even higher than us, asking us why we're not uh, getting the best out of our people. Um, I when I went to training for um, to be a manager, uh, uh, they do it in the first couple of weeks. They literally said. Um, we know that we pay our employees the least out of all of our competitors. Um, and it is your job to make sure that they keep coming back and that they stay here for us. So they knowingly know that they don't pay people enough to do the job. Um, <laughs> and it's up to the managers to keep people happy and keep retention up. Um, lovely. I, I showed you the email that my, my boss has sent me right around our peak season, which is before the holidays where it says nobody cares, work harder. Yeah. Um, so the, they'll send out emails like that all the time. Like it's not about your feelings. It's about producing results. It's, uh, there it's completely removed of any abject humanity. Um, wow. I, I got in an argument with one of the, the head people at our building because I was trying to explain to him that you have sports athletes who get paid millions of dollars to play football games. They probably work out five days a week. They play a two hour game with intermittent breaks in between. Right. Um, if you took the top 10 linebackers and you put them inside of these trucks on a 90 degree day um, and you said, all right, I need you to load packages, 400 packages an hour, which equates to about seven packages a minute. And I need you to maintain that for six to seven hours within two days, they'd be ready to quit. And you're paying these people $15 or less an hour to do that. That's insane. That is exploitive. What, um, what is your top unloader doing per hour? The standards have been dropped since you've been one. Uh, it's now oh. 1200 an hour. Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> I was trapped under fucking packages, man. Yeah. I had a, I had some uh, trailer from Kentucky that was offloading and it was not stable. Yep. And I, I went to get a package and like everything fell on me. And if I hadn't moved as fast as I did, because one of them was like a one when TVs were still square, mm -hmm. uh, it fell on my calf and yeah. it almost shattered my leg. I, it would hurt so bad. Yeah. It's um, crazy working there. Yeah, it's it's fun. Um, and they, <laughs> they still try to exploit you in other ways, too. Um, one of my friends who's also a manager there at the time, he was a package handler. Um, and he was on top of the sorter and on top of the sorter, the packages come very quickly and you're supposed to face them so they can go through the scan tunneler, but they have to do it one at a time. Um, and my friend, uh, someone sent up a package that was too heavy and he went to go grab it off. The package smacked his hand right here. Right. Yeah. And so he called, uh, the bosses upstairs and he was like, Hey, I think that my hand, like, I think I broke this portion of my hand. I don't know what that part's called. Um, he knew he knew the term for it too and my boss was like are you sure are you sure that you did that like i'm pretty sure you would know if it was broke and he was like no i'm pretty sure it's broke and they were like trying to convince him to stay and he actually stayed for several hours after that wound up going to the doctor the next day it was broken exactly where he said 
while my boss was telling him that, no, I think you'd know if it was broke. And uh, when he then brought the paperwork and, and told them that, there, there was no apology or anything. Nothing. Um, which I don't get because as, as managers, you're also being exploited um, by people who are higher up than you. Um, the, the people who actually have the nice offices that you get set down inside and get yelled at by, um, they, they are also being exploited just as badly as you are. Um, and they're expecting almost as much out of you as they are out of your package handlers, which is why most managers are such dickheads because they're getting yelled at to keep everybody at a standard that they know is impossible. Um, unlike me though, they just, they don't tend to talk back to their bosses. I talk back a lot. I'm very hated at my workplace. Um, I think I've even said things about like, you know, starting the revolution and strikes and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, you might want to lay off that unless you have a background, a backup plan. Uh, my backup plan is um, to start a revolution. <laughs> oh, Good luck. But no, so <laughs> modern exploitation is very real. Um, we're not working in factories where if you get your hand cut off, you're going to go right back to work. Um, they'll give you like, maybe like a week off and then they'll be like, Hey, can you, can you come back? I, I do something where there's not heavy lifting for you. Um, <laughs> and then but, they'll keep you around for like a month just for like, you know, good appearances and then they'll let you go on some bullshit. Yeah. 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 It happens a lot. Um, and that's just the, the modern workers still being exploited. It's just in different ways. Um, and that's the reason we have certain laws in place too, because, it's like I said, if we didn't have child labor laws in place, there would be children working in Amazon fulfillment centers too. Like well, we have to have these laws in place. That's why we offshore though. So we can have children working in Pago Pago. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we still explore children all the time. I mean, you're probably, we are both wearing clothing that was probably manufactured by children in some hot sweatshop somewhere in Oceania. Exactly. And so oh. that's kind of how they also keep you complacent as well is um, at you, 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 or you keep yourself complacent as you think, well, at least it's better than like back in the, the 19, 1917 where there were the radium girls, or at least it's better than the, the factories in Bangladesh where they have nets outside the factories. Cause so many people were throwing themselves out the windows. Hey, you guys are no longer actual slaves. Yeah. Look, we're doing a good job. You can buy things off of Amazon. You can do that. You can work for Amazon and buy from Amazon and soon live in an Amazon city. I, uh, <laughs> if I could not buy things on Amazon, I would, but the convenience. I just say to everyone, buy less shit. I've yeah. had this shirt. I've had this shirt for over uh, 18 years. I think <laughs> I yeah. don't, I don't buy things, man. I, I just bought a pair of sandals for the first time in seven years. The only things that I've like purchased in like recent, like I don't really buy new clothes because I don't really need new clothes. I have to purchase like a new pair of shoes a year because you know, they get worn down cause they're not made for shit. But the only things that I really purchase anymore for like enjoyment purposes, I don't even play games anymore. I buy, yeah. I buy books that that's all I buy. I think that's amazing. <laughs> um, otherwise, you know, I, I don't really have a whole lot that I, I want. Um, yeah. I stopped buying so much crap. 
So, I mean, speaking of how great we are now compared to then, uh, like I was talking to you before, before the show, mm-hmm. pneumoconiosis has only grown. Black lung mm-hmm. has only increased in this country. Which is wild. I didn't know. It's so this. wild because, you know, Trump wanted to get those coal miners back in there. God. Oh, God. <laughs> so now we have more cases of this crap. It's It's amazing. One of the best countries on earth, apparently, allegedly, supposedly. And I mean, I agree. You can say what you want until the white man comes. But yeah, worker exploitation and um, wage slavery. I, wage I, re- slavery. I really enjoy that term. It is. It's only increased. It is. It is a term that it it perfectly exemplifies what this country is. Um, like we have the fight for fifteen, which isn't even a discussion anymore. Um, yeah, right. No one's even having this discussion. Yeah, um, it just got dropped. You know, Bernie Sanders drop out. What's your one concession? Give me fifteen dollar minimum wage. Okay, uh, we uh, we tried, and uh, the uh, yeah, no, we're not gonna do it. <laughs> uh, Joe Manchin, who is who's a Democrat, uh, he says no, no, let's not do that. Um, and the fight for fifteen was stupid anyway because you can't live off fifteen dollars an hour. Um, in most, in most cities, in most major cities or even suburban areas in the country, unless you're like in fucking boo dangle, Mississippi or Louisiana, you cannot afford to live or rent an apartment working 40 hours a week on $15. You know what? You should have made better choices. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just get out there and, you know, work your your 45 to 50 hour job at Amazon making $15 an hour. Then when you're done, get your ass down to the McDonald's to work from about six to midnight for about, you know, 10 bucks an hour and then go home. And I guess you got to sleep like a fucking loser. Elon Musk doesn't do that. And, uh, (laughs) and you know, get out there at four in the morning to do your paper route so that you can get to Amazon by nine. Right. Fucking and, and make sure that your kids are taken care of somehow, even though you don't have the money for that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So fight for fifteen, stupid. It should be fight for uh, twenty-five because you know that you're, they're never going to raise the minimum wage to twenty-five. But then you know what you do? You you get like a fifteen-dollar minimum wage because they're like, well, twenty-five is unreasonable. Fifteen sounds a lot more reasonable. You don't go into a car dealership and say, hey, uh, this is this is the most I'm going to spend. And then expect to not spend that much. Uh, you always you always lowball it. So in this case, you need to definitely go higher than lower. Um, yeah, we need to stop glorifying billionaires too. Um, all billionaires are are billionaires because they're not good people. Um, Mark Zuckerberg is a tor- a horrible piece of shit who fucked over tons of people who helped him build Facebook and its infrastructure. Uh, Elon Musk. Though he is bookish smart, um, he doesn't actually create anything. He buys companies that he knows will be good investments and hires people to make his cars and his rocket ships. Um, though he might be able to spew out some uh, some some science on you, um, the real people making Elon Musk the genius he is is actually all the scientists and the people that he hires to make his cars and spaceships and shit like yeah, that. I was actually shocked at how many people with the IQ over like 150 were paid less than 60,000 a year. Mm-hmm. I forgot what article that was, but that's yeah. you know, that was disgusting to me. Um, anyway. So yeah, cause people like 
of all the billionaires, Elon Musk is definitely the one that people think is the coolest because he goes on Joe Rogan and he says smart things sometimes. And they think he's like this Tony Stark who's who's like building things, but like he's yeah. he's not. He's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then <laughs> you got Jeff Bezos, like um, who is on track to be the world's first trillionaire, um, which is just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So um yeah we need to stop the glorification of billionaires and we also need to stop like this mythos of um billionaires being something that like working class people can achieve because none of these motherfuckers were poor <laughs> right um yeah like a lot of people like to like claim that jeff bezos was uh like uh, this poor guy working out of his garage he like took his parents retirement fund which was like 300,000 to get his business started um yeah. yeah so it's uh it's a crazy world that we live in um things have gotten better but they've also gotten a lot worse um and right now i guess we can end on the note that um right now wealth inequality is surpassed um the 1920s and 30s Wow. And it is to the point that um, the last big revolution where a lot of people got beheaded happened. <laughs> that would be the yeah. French Revolution. Yeah. Um, that is the heights to which uh, inequality in this country has reached. Um, worldwide, it's quickly approaching that. Um, so there might not just be an overturn of powerful people in this country. It could be a worldwide type of thing. I think that's highly idealistic, but that's just it, me. It is it is highly idealistic. Um they could just nuke us all too. Ah, eh, they wouldn't want the police. They would do it in another way. Like another virus. Mm, you can't talk about that. I did. You can't you can't I'm gonna continue it. talking about things I'm not allowed to talk about. It wasn't it wasn't created in a Chinese lab. It's no. Yeah, okay. No. So I'll I'll leave everyone with the quote. From the same book, uh, The Jungle. What Into he's saying the, is that you guys should really read this book. I think so. It, it, it pertains to what we're talking about today. So the quote is, Into this wild beast tangle, these men had been born without their consent. They had taken part in it because they could not help it. That they were in jail was no disgrace to them, for the game had never been fair. The dice were loaded. They were swindlers and thieves of pennies and dimes, and they had been trapped and put out of the way by the swindlers and thieves of millions of dollars. So it's fun that, 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 you know, they hold the poor man down and call them criminals and call them, you know, say they should have made better choices. But honestly, white collar crime and these people at the top are doing worse crime than the people at the bottom selling some drugs on the corner. Yep. So yeah, uh, I would leave people with the question of how can we fix this without a, you know, horrible bloody revolution as Jareth is talking about, I'd, I'd rather not go there because they have drones and machine guns and all sorts of tech. I would like to do it through policy if that's possible. But as the Democrats have shown us, they're just as bad, if not worse, than the Republicans when it comes to corporatism and privatization. So good luck, guys. Hit the like button. Subscribe. <laughs> if you guys haven't noticed the trend, we're getting darker and darker. Um, so <laughs> the world, the world is getting darker and darker, dude. 
This is true. <laughs> um, so next week we're going to talk about the different forms of uh, political ideologies. Um, we like to talk about ideology a lot. We like to talk about politics a lot. So I think it would be good for us to define the terms that we use. Um, so we're going to do a little breakdown of what fascism, socialism, communism, what all these things are and why yep. some are bad and why some are better. If you yep. go far left enough, you get your guns back. Remember that. <laughs> so, yeah, that, we're going to touch on Marxism. <laughs> yes, and we're anarchism. going to talk. We're going to talk on Marxism, anarchism, um, liberalism. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about all. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, it's gonna be a good one. Um, so, so join us, happy friends. Yeah, join us next week. Like, share, subscribe, uh, clip us out of context and put it on the internet. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I make wonder us, how make us look like conservative bigots. Yeah. Oh God, they're really gonna do that with the episode that's coming out next week. Yeah. Because we filmed these in advance, so yeah. All right, love you all. all right. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>